0: By letting a submissive submit, by letting a submissive tune out and relax and have that balance, that is part of what gives me balance as a dominant. I need to care for, look after, and to discipline and to instruct. That's why it can be such a healthy dynamic relationship, a dominant and a submissive, because they're both absolutely getting what they need out of it.
1: Welcome back to Open Late, a Soul Fire production. I am your host, Jessica Spandiari, And today I have with me the funny Dom. So, you know, we might get turned on, we might do a lot of laughing, but this gentleman is um, a digital content creator who focuses on kinky sex positive content um, aimed at educating people around BDSM and kink. So I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Um, I got connected with uh, you through the girls from Double Team, Nikki and Cammy, who have become really good friends, and I'm really excited to welcome you to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I really like having these conversations on um, podcasts. I've done a few now, and it's one of my favorite things because this, all these things we're talking about, are all about connection and um, having these interviews and actual conversations with people that you might not. Ever get to meet on the other side of the world um, is making a, making a connection for other people to make a connection to kink and BDSM. So this is, you know, so uh, central to what I want to do.
1: Yeah, it is really cool that we get to do this from LA, and you're actually joining us from Melbourne today, right?
0: That's right. I'm in in Melbourne, Australia. In the it's morning here, and we're a day ahead, and so that's weird. And yeah, thank God for the internet and uh, making these things possible. It's not, it's not all, uh, it's not all terrible. It Mm -hmm. lets um, things like this happen. So yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah. I'm really glad it does. So let's start with, you know, the early years of the funny Dom. How does one (laughs) turn into the, the funniest daddy Dom there is? (laughs)
0: Oh, goodness. I don't know if I'd say funniest, although I haven't seen a lot of other, um, and that's probably key to it, I haven't seen a lot of other uh, male doms, um, you know, vying for that kind of position. I I think I, I noticed that, and that's part of why I started making a space, because I wanted to do that, but I thought, oh, there's so many Uh, kinky like males and doms that are just kind of peacocking. Um, They're just doing the, here's all these black and white images that probably aren't even mine, Um, representing myself in a suit, being all like I'm the boss, do as I say and stuff. And, and, And I'm not like shaming that as just a thing to do, but that's all they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, oh, these are my peers, like this is what I am. So I did not like that, you know. Um, I thought I don't want to just do what they're doing when what they're doing already seems lazy and just self-involved. It's not contributing anything. You know, there's people with shame and confusion and questions and these guys, because it is mostly a male thing, uh, mm-hmm. are just kind of going, hey, look at me, I'm cool. And you're like, you've just seen Fifty Shades too many times. Like, bugger off. Like, go yeah. and do some self-work, piece of shit. Um, so that's kind of what was how I was feeling. And, then, and I saw pages and follow pages like Ask a Subs, who I, who I love. And I thought, oh, my God, look at this, like, um, female submissive showing more leadership and and education kind of, you know, work uh, and humour than any, you know, a, alleged male doms that should be taking responsibility and taking up leadership, you know, when it's easier for us because the amount of um, bullshit that she probably deals with online must be crazy, you know. So Absolutely. I thought, well, I'll, I'll at least not do part of the problem. So I started doing memes the way that um, she does memes just kind of funny but hopefully educational kinky memes just for fun and just because I was a fan and I was doing one every few weeks and then the lockdown hit so it was a bit pandemic kind of pushed Um, and I just kind of leaned into it and then something clicked and I started doing several a day And, um, within a few months I had like a thousand or a few thousand followers, which I thought was amazing. I was like, Oh my God, people are commenting. People are sending me messages and I'm starting to talk to people. And then, yeah, after a a year or so, it got to, um, nearly 25,000 before being deleted for the first time. (laughs) And yeah, I just really liked making a little community.
1: So crazy. Okay, so a couple of things. The the funny dom was really born out of COVID, which I didn't know. <laughs> in some ways, um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, which... the, the the online kind of page and mm-hmm. and what I'm doing definitely was. I think I I was there, so I was already me, but it hadn't really mm-hmm. occurred to me to put that in public or how to put that in public or how to kind of express that in a way that was you know helpful, functional, um, and healthy.
1: Right. Okay. So there's a couple directions that I, that I like want to go. Um, because I, I want to talk about, you know, who you were before you sort of created this online presence. Cause I, I gather, you know, the kinkiness wasn't born in COVID either. Um, but I want to talk quickly about censorship because you got your Instagram account deleted. You said at 25 K for the first time. And mm-hmm. so then it happened again after you built it back up.
0: I got it back to, I think, 8,000 in just, in just a few weeks mm-hmm. um, because a lot of people helped and a lot of uh, supporters and, and partners that were kind of expecting this to be possible, you know, kind of all rallied. And so a lot of people who were following the page immediately saw the new page um, and jumped on board and shared it. So it was really amazing to see all, all the support. And the number go up so quickly, and I thought, oh, I'm going to get back to, you know, ten thousand, twenty thousand, back to somewhere in the same range of of that audience, um, in just a few months. And then, yeah, after about two or three weeks, it was deleted again. I don't even know why. Um, it it was gone. and I had to start for the third time. So my current page, which is funded on returns. <laughs> um, mm-hmm is my third page and i think i'll call my next one the funny dom forever maybe start doing a kind of fast and furious thing after that
1: yeah it's you know it's really interesting to see that this happens a lot to people who speak openly um, about sex and sexuality and other sex educators um you know i like i've been censored for sure i've had content taken down Um, What happens when you, when you lose your Instagram? Do you, do they tell you why? Do they just do the, you know, uh, con this content doesn't comply with like our, you know, community guidelines or whatever it is, or is it just nothing that you hear from them?
0: It's somewhere in between. So yeah, they, they basically just say that it has been taken down or you can, you have to wait both times I had it. I had to wait 24 hours for some kind of um, decision to be made but I wasn't sure what the issue was the the second time I hadn't even been online for like many many hours I hadn't posted anything new um, so I don't know what the issue was and no they didn't tell me the second time there was no direct post reference it was just um, community guidelines breached but I'm not sure which ones um, and the page is is gone and mm. yeah so it's really confusing and if you put it is a good kind of health check on how much you put into the page realizing that it is just a platform it's just a thing and it's not you and it's not actually your audience it's just a way of getting to that audience so having another way to do that is so important if I hadn't had the Patreon already running I think I would have been like really depressed um, I, hmm? it was still kind of like really Sad that day, but um, I had the patreon page and almost almost a hundred followers kind of supporting me there, which was already like a really good little audience so that helped a lot
1: yeah that's well I'm so glad to hear that you had that because not everyone does, and you're right we put so much um, we invest so much of our time right in our in our lives in this platform that we don't really own we have no ownership of and most people communicate with their entire audience, build all their business, you know, entirely on Instagram or Facebook, and it could be hacked or taken away, you know, without a moment's notice. And so I imagine for you that soften the blow, um, but for so many people that it happens to the emotional roller coaster that you go on feeling like, you know, your business gets sort of taken away from you and you're in your community. And, um, I imagine it causes a lot of a lot of growth, right? To like you said, mm. realize that that platform is in everything, and to sort of um tr- have different ways to to reach your audience and to still share what you want to share and educate in the way that you want to, um, you know, without any without censorship. So I'm glad you had that on Patreon. Yeah,
0: yeah it was really lucky, and and just knowing that the people are still there, so. Um, if you if you try again, just going and knowing that um, that yeah, these things can happen, and it is. I basically just kind of make a joke about it that Instagram is like a bad dom, so there's bad um, bad consent, bad communication, the boundaries are unclear, and we're just kind of dealing with this kind of toxic relationship. Um, mm-hmm. So you just kind of look at it like that, and there's a lot of good things about it, but uh, unfortunately it's, uh, it's not actually a good relationship. So that you know. is
1: such a crazy analogy because it's so true. You're going to get the dopamine hit. <laughs> you might like the way things feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately it's not a very safe, safe space. And, um, you can't really trust that. You can't really trust that you're going to be always taken care of. Right. Absolutely um, not. I
0: had, I had no aftercare when my page was deleted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Well, this is a really great segue actually into, um, I think, you know, best practices and how to enter into this lifestyle or this world because um, we've not talked about kink a lot on Open Late. In fact, really, we just scratched the surface with Cammy and Nikki from Double Teams a couple of months back. Um, but I would love for you to sort of give an overview um, of, you know, specifically what what you speak to. And I know you, you talk about a lot of different kink, but you call yourself a service daddy. So what is a service daddy? And where <laughs> is the sort of idea or inspiration for this born, at least in your experience?
0: Um, yeah, I, I I feel like part of the part of the journey is finding out your identity um and you do that by finding the things that you're into and and often that's connected to your identity so a lot of people enjoy um kinks or have a kink or a fetish and it's kind of next to their identity and they might not have a a kind of identity that's nested in kink they might just enjoy some wax play now and then you know because of the sensation and that's totally fine and valid. That's great. And then there's other people that enjoy that. And that's because they are a masochist and they enjoy lots of sensations like that. And that that kind of rabbit hole might lead them to finding out that they are possibly a submissive who is a masochist. And then they go, oh, okay, well, that means that I, I'm on a side of this spectrum that might be really satisfied being with or having experiences with someone from the other side because they work well together, which is finding a dominant. So it is kind of a the rabbit hole thing, and a lot of people kind of take a few steps and do tumble down. Um, hmm. Some people, they they don't, and that might be because they just want to try some wax play or they just like uh, rope play because it's very calming and the rest of the things don't interest them, and that's totally fine too. But if you do like some of the things, you might want to step a bit further in and and experiment. And I think for me, I always knew that the rabbit hole was there. It was just a little bit in denial or unsure. And I think part of that is a male thing. uh, Embracing that I was not just a dominant, but also had a strong sadistic streak was very difficult for me because I knew that that was perilous. I I, you know, I didn't want to be a a negative or toxic, you know, male. And it's hard to embrace that you can be a caring force and sadistic at the same time. And Mm -hmm. that is part of my um identity as a as a daddy is I am a sadist, but I'm also a caregiver. And part of the service that I like doing as as a kind of service daddy is not just education but also um my sadistic side. So if you're a masochist, me engaging with you as a sadist can be a service that's part of what mm-hmm. satisfies me. Um, yeah. So figuring all that out, you know, it took a couple of years and I mean, it took my entire life, but <laughs> I think I had a few decades of um, not confronting it. And then I did. And then I embraced it consciously and started using the words and started learning and studying and started having experiences and and after a few years of that, I started thinking, oh, my God, um, something like what I'm doing now would have really helped me. And so that's what mm. I'm doing now as part of the service is I want to do what helps people that would have helped me, which is also part of my daddy side. That's where that comes from, is I want to be the role that I think I could have used. You know, I'm yeah. kind of fulfilling that identity that, that I didn't really have. Um, so that's where it all comes from and that's what I'm doing now through, whether it's, you know, silly, funny memes or, or, um, guides on how to set up a a scene or vet a partner, um, or these Q and A's, it's all kind of linked to the same thing, um, which is why, uh, I'm really enjoying it. And I really like putting time and energy into it because it's linked to my identity.
1: Yeah. Now. Just to backtrack a little bit, did you engage in this type of play or these types of scenes like at all in your early life before you fully accepted this side of yourself with partners sort of not really setting up things, which is sort of bumbling along and, and figuring <laughs> it out? Or was it very much like a closeted thing? Like You knew you had these desires, but you weren't acting on any of it until decades later.
0: No, I definitely was doing um doing some of it in almost all relationships, I think. And I think that's what people do and they just don't realise it. You just do it not consciously, which is mm-hmm. very human, but it's not it's not good. It's not ideal because things can go wrong. Thankfully, I don't think anything never did never did anything too extreme, but when you look at past relationships, it's like um it's like when you, when you realize your identity and you look back at like the music or the movies that you like and you go, oh my God, that's why I was obsessed with secretary for six months, you know? Like yeah,
1: it makes so much sense.
0: It all lines up and you start thinking, oh, I thought everyone liked that. Like, no, 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 that's you and, and all your peers that <laughs> you need start figuring it out. And I think I had a lot of relationships that were dynamic. They were actually DS, dominant, submissive, dynamic relationships. They just weren't realized. They weren't aware on either side. And I think that's a lot of people, people listening right now, what, what's your relationship dynamic? Because every relationship has a dynamic of some kind and there might be many that are kind of leaning towards a DS, but if you're not confronting that and negotiating it and doing it with awareness, then it can go toxic. It can be unhealthy. Um, mm. So, or at very least will limit your enjoyment because you're not doing it, you know, with good awareness and good know-how. So I right. think that's what I was doing. I was having relationships and not really understanding why I wanted to do certain things or why then things were uncomfortable. Um, so that was a long time. And then I started just accepting it and go, okay, I think I'm this. And even the daddy part, it took a while for me to really accept, oh, I am. That's what it is. It's not just like a bit of a thing or a role is like that's actually me, um, right? So and now that I have, I just haven't looked back. I haven't had anything remotely re- representing vanilla sex in years, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not even once.
0: Not once. I, I, I and and that's the thing. I may not have ever had it because I think I always had these um, behaviors, you know. So for me, it was always kind of an intense uh, physical kind of you know there was always a kind of dominant um sphere to where I would go but now it's just very very aware and conscious and 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 more but yeah I haven't haven't had anything like that in years and I don't see myself wanting to or being satisfied with it at all it's yeah right. it's just not my flavor
1: well especially once now you sort of have the language and the context and the experience for what brings you the most pleasure, why would you choose something else? Um, I I want to kind of pick at this a little bit um, because you said it's a, a sphere of dominance, right? And I think that maybe there's people listening who don't even know what that can look like. But before we do, I just want to recap for someone who maybe if you're listening and you've like you don't know anything about kink or BDSM culture, um, just to sort of identify what some of these terms mean so we we've been saying uh ds dynamic a bunch if you can go into just the general definitions of everything that we're sort of touching on uh for somebody who maybe this is their first time
0: I'm <laughs> um, sure i mean ds is just dominant submissive which is just the two the two sides of um kind of central identity of bdsm which is um the part of the half of the DS in BDSM um mm-hmm. is dominant and submissive. And it's just the two different kinds of identity that people usually find themselves in. It's all a spectrum. So you can be you can even be both. You can be a switch. So I mean just to make things more confusing, you can have days where you feel your dominant identity and then you can have other days where you feel your submissive identity. And they're like magical creatures, switches. They're it's mm-hmm. amazing. Um or you can just be on one side and that's Part of your identity, not just sexually. It's not just a thing. It's really is an identity thing. It's how you relate to others and how you can relate to someone on the other side. And it doesn't mean passive. People think submissive like, oh, that means I'm like a quiet passive person. No, no, no. You could be a uh, you know vivacious, uh, you know CEO, you know identity in that part of your life, but you might have a submissive identity where to balance out that part of your identity you need to um, find that balance through submitting, which requires someone on the other side to let you do that. And that's really how it works is you engage with someone on the other side and that lets you or helps you fully kind of um, stretch out in that part of your identity. So you can be more of a submissive and really act that out when you've got a dynamic with a dominant.
1: Beautiful. I, that's like really where I wanted you to go and I appreciate that a lot and just also to remind people like it has nothing to do with gender or the way you identify um, because you can find you know people who are dominant all across the spectrum um, as well as as submissive so oh,
0: absolutely one of my yeah. best clients right now is, a, is another daddy who is a, a, a queer woman um, in the states and she's a daddy d-a-d-d-i you know, she's that oh, kind of daddy. Whoa. And I so we have it. full daddy chats and we talk about like being into the same things with our subs. And so our gender, uh, geography <laughs> and orientation has nothing to do with it because kink identity is its own thing. You can be, there is the stereotype of the male, you know, that kind of figure. And that's, that is a generalization for a reason. Um, But it is not what it what it means. You can be absolutely anything and be a dom. And you can be absolutely anything and be a sub. Another one of my friends, male submissive, is this like ripped, shredded military dude uh who is a sub um to his, you know, female dominant partner. And that's such a great example of like, you know, what people assume and expect. And then it's like, "No, no, no, this is this is also true. This is also there. And mm-hmm. that's important that people realise that yeah our our um, our DS identity our kink identity has nothing to do with those other things. It's separate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's what really allows us to express ourselves in the full spectrum of like you know humanity. Because that's sort of how I you know you mentioned like the the CEO very in control uh, woman you know, earlier, and that's where I am. And then as soon as I'm like with my husband, I prefer to be in a much more submissive role because I'm exhausted. Like I don't <laughs> want to make any more decisions and I don't want to, you know, have to be responsible for anything exactly. else. Exactly.
0: If you have like a big stressful day or week and then you get to dinner and your partner says, well, where do you want to go? And you're like, oh, just please. Like this just one- It's such a common thing. And I feel like that is a a bit of like a flag, you know, in a positive way of you might have a submissive side because when you find someone that goes, okay, we're having dinner, we're having dinner here and I've already booked it and this is happening and we're going to go there and then we're going to watch this movie and then you're going to have an early night. And if that just makes you go, oh, thank God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if that happens on the regular, if that's what you really need, then that is a dynamic in play where you've got a partner who is taking that responsibility on for you to let you relax to let you tune out and just be taken care of and that's a big part of DS is care it's not leather and chains and basements and red rooms and all that bullshit it is it is looking after the person and sometimes looking after that person does mean putting them over your knee and spanking them until they're red but you know, it also means tucking them in and making dinner, or having dinner delivered to them, or just asking them, like, "How are you? Are you, are you well today? Why aren't you know? What can we do to make sure that you're feeling better? Did you sleep?" Those kind of things are a real service orientated caregiving, and that's a big part of being a dominant.
1: Hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And kind of giving that overall picture because yeah, it is so much. And, um, I want to learn more and I am curious about, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll back it up to my question of what is the sort of, um, I forget how you put it, but like the scale of dominance and how does that sort of play out in your dynamics and your relationships and how does that also serve you? Like, how do you get fueled or fed by maybe impact play or whatever it is, if you could sort of paint this picture for us.
0: Mm. Yeah, there is a common question I get. I do um, Q&As regularly and I do get questions very regularly from submissives that are almost worried that the other side, their partner or the partner that they want to find, isn't getting anything out of it. (laughs) They're almost (laughs) thinking this is so good for me and, and it's definitely my happy place. But how is it how is it yours? How is it a dominance? Like how, how I feel uncomfortable that I'm getting all this. And it, it's very sweet. It's a huge misunderstanding that like that's how the polls work. Like you if you're getting something out of it to that degree and you find, okay, this is what I need, the other side is getting what they need out of it, and that's what they need by giving that to you. So by letting a submissive submit, by letting a submissive tune out and relax and and have that balance. That is part of what gives me balance as a dominant. That's what I need. I need to care for. I need to look after and to discipline and to instruct. Um, All these things are things that I need to do. So that's why it can be such a healthy, dynamic relationship, uh, a dominant and a submissive, because they're both absolutely getting what they need out of it. Um, And then on top of that, Yeah, there's the sphere, there's the spectrum of different kinds. So you have all these different identities within dominant and submissive. You know, you might be um, a pet kind of identity where you really identify as a kitten or a bunny or a pup, and the dominant might identify as your owner and your trainer. Um, There can be um, full slave master identities which are really driven by service and worship um, and very high protocols of behavior where you have to get permission to eat and to go to the bathroom and to even use furniture, you know, that's, that's part of the sphere as well. Then there's the kind of more daddy, uh, little girl or baby girl is where it's all about care and and being looked after by that kind of almost kind of parental kind of role where it's um, really your job to just follow and to learn and to be guided and looked after. Um yeah, there's, it, that's what makes it so fascinating. There's all these things, and you don't have to be just one. You might be a little bit of each, or you might find that you start exploring as one, and you have one experience, and go, "Oh my god, I'm actually this." That's mm-hmm. that's why it's so fun to play and to figure all this out because you're discovering yourself, and that lets you have these great experiences and find more of you and have fun with others that are finding more of themselves.
1: Mm. And I really love that you keep bringing it back to fun and play because Mm. I think so many people are afraid to even try these dynamics because they associate BDSM with, as you said, whips and chains and handcuffs and red rooms and dungeons. Um, But there's so much levity that comes with sort of these Playful dynamics that don't have to be so serious. I mean, and that you know, you're the the funny Dom <laughs> bringing that bringing that to the table. Because, like, if you can't laugh at yourself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at different moments when you're having sex or or playing out a scene, right? Then what are you really doing? Of course, like you want it to be serious some of the time. Um, mm. But I think it's really beautiful how you talk about this balance of you know care and being looked after with instruction or you know um punishment or being reprimanded because it's all a part of it you can't just be all the way over here in left field all the time um you want to have balance to create a healthy relationship dynamic um mm-hmm. in any way but that being said i do want to talk about you know i want to talk about what instruction and what punishment <laughs> looks like um Mainly because that's what turns me on, actually. So this is really just a service (laughs) to me. Um, But as someone who, you know, I mentioned this before on the show, but my husband and I, 10 years ago when we started dating, kind of what you talked about earlier, you were already doing it, even though you weren't conscious about it. We started our relationship with a lot of sort of dominant, submissive um, vibes, especially sexually but also in through our whole relationship and it really worked for us but we didn't have any context around it or education at all we were just kind of doing it already Mm -hmm. and then you know it fizzled out as our relationship evolved and we started you know getting into different things sexually and like other partners and opening up and you know we sort of like haven't really reintroduced a lot of these things but we both want to now and we want to Mm. do it from this place of like, let's actually get educated and let's talk about exactly what we want and set up scenes and sort of choose, you know, from this place of intention, what we want. And so personally, I want to know because now I'm back on this journey and I'm like, what exactly do I want? You know, and (laughs) what does he want? And, you know, where, where do we go from here? Having Already sort of done these things and and like you said, there's no shame in it. Cause I think we definitely fucked it up and and did some things that like nobody talked about. And then there was no aftercare. And yeah. we never really talked about those things, you know, just because life happens and you keep moving. So for me and for anybody listening who wants to try it for the first time or retry it, what are, you know, ways I guess to set things up when you want to be a bit more extreme because mm-hmm. I think that that is my palette um what does it look like you know what are the names around it what are some um I guess safety measures that you want to take
0: I well typically the way I do things with uh with a partner and this is a way I think you can, can transplant this kind of um process into any relationship is you start with yourself and what you are and what you like and if you both literally write down and do some you know some reading and there's there's also that uh, the BDSM test online that's a good tool when you're kind of looking out for just your identity you can use that to kind of point towards things you might like or you do like and you write down what you like and what you maybe are curious about and also some things that you you if there are things that you know you don't want to do so you basically start putting together your like limits your soft limits and your hard limits and your preferences so what you would like and uh, what you might like but you're not sure about and things that you do not want and both people need to kind of have some kind of thinking around that if you Mm. go into this kind of thing with just like oh I don't know or I don't have limits or I just want to try everything it's like that's a big that's a big dangerous kind of red flag there Um, because sure you can experiment but if you really haven't put thought into do I have things that are hard limits? Something could happen and, and that could cause you trauma or hurt or a bad association. So that's the kind of safety level comes in first of just do some thinking, think about what you like, um, put it down and talk about it with your partner and basically um, collaborate on what you want to do in a scene. So if you figure out that you like um, discipline, then I would say, especially with a partner like yourself, you've got a partner already where there's trust and you've already got a lifestyle together. I would say, okay, the the scene will be in say a week, and I would say let's give yourself a rule like what's something that you struggle with? Probably like going to bed early, or drinking enough water, or or three good meals a day. Something that's kind of self care based that you struggle with because do
1: you know me? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I know the type. <laughs> Um so if you put a rule down of you are going to go to bed, you know, say an hour earlier than you normally do every night and every time you don't do that, that's 10 strike. So you're giving yourself a bit of a system for the whole week where the scene has already started because of this fun rule. The rule is good for you because if you do do it and you be a, you know a very good girl, then you're going to get more sleep. So that's great. But you probably won't you'll probably at least fail a few times and you're gonna earn some strikes. And then uh all through the week, you're thinking, that's 30. Oh my God, that's already 30 strikes. So you're already getting to the mindset of this discipline, this punishment is coming. And then your partner is already thinking, I'm already keeping count. Oh, that's 30. And they can remind you like, you better go to bed soon. You don't wanna have 40 is a lot. You don't want 40 strikes. So you're already getting into these roles and you haven't actually started a scene and you really haven't done anything. Um, so that's a really good way to start doing it. And then when you do the scene. I wonder if toilet. everyone
1: listening is as turned on as I am right now. I <laughs> thought I'm not going to bed early. Where are my other submissive people if, at?
0: I think if you, okay. are, if you are, that's the bit of a litmus test. That's the test of like, okay, you might need to explore this. Because if this is sounding exciting, Uh, or a turn on at all, then you might have a bit of this identity. And if it's not, Mm -hmm. if it's like this is I will go to bed whenever I want, this sounds, you know, distressing or or just not at all attractive, that's fine. This is just not your cup of tea. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But for people that are into it, I think this is a good way to try it out. Um, So you make sure you have your safe word in place um, and that can be absolutely anything. I like the traffic light system. Which is really just kind of red or yellow orange, uh, yellow orange. You just say when you need uh, a check in, or you might be thirsty, or you're worried about something. You want to have a question. Red is a complete stop. Um, it's so it's important to have those in place for both of you. Your your partner might get um, uncomfortable with something, you know, and they need to call safe word. So have have that in place. Talk about that um, beforehand, and then when it's the end of the week. You have the count, maybe you went to bed two or three times but you didn't four times, that's 40 strikes. Um, and then have your partner bring you over and either put you over something, over a desk or over the knee. Over the knee is my favourite um, for this kind of thing because you have connection, I think that's important. Um, being able to hold the the submissive and you know stroke the hair or hold their neck um, or just hold their body down over you while you deliver discipline, I think already puts that care in place, that the general contact is caring and holding and safety. But what one hand is doing is discipline and is causing pain for a reason, which is also what needs to be reminded. You don't just, uh, you know, flog someone or, or do something because you want to. It's like, no, 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 this is because we had an understanding that you were going to go to bed because that's what's good for you. You didn't, so now you're going to take some discipline and maybe you'll learn next time. Um, Hmm. And the secret is, of course, you won't learn next time. You're probably going to struggle with that, but it might help a little bit. And if it really is a problem, then the dominance role is to really enforce that and go, you know, I enjoy giving you discipline, but I actually, as your caregiver, I want you to go to bed. So if you if you don't show an improvement, the punishments are going to get more and more serious. And mm-hmm. so that's where punishment really is its own definition because most of the time play a spanking, a play spanking is more what I call punishment. And, and it's not really, you know, that serious or intense, but punishment really is like, I'm going to leave marks, I'm going to make you actually regret some of the behaviours that you have in order to correct those behaviours for you. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And if you're a bratty version of a sub, then you would sort of get excited at the idea of really doing a lot of things that are out of line or that would require more (laughs) sort of reprimanding.
0: That's Um, true. Yeah. Yeah why and i really like brett i really like brady types because of the provoking the the dominant and i think it's it can be a very healthy thing because it's really the submissive saying i want to feel that you're there that's what the provocation is it's not it's not uh it can be unhealthy but i think in its healthy state it is i want confirmation that you're on the other side of this dynamic and they do that by acting up by being cheeky or mischievous or not doing exactly what they're told, or just saying, oh, is that what you told me? I completely forgot, just really making it clear that they're intentionally being naughty. And dominants need to see that as a very positive thing. It's not a bad thing. It's them saying, I, they're, they're echoing, you know, they're, they're sending out the sonar. So they they need to know that you're there. So that's why I like that because it really is a request. It's like I want to be um, put in my place is kind of the phrase, I mean, put in your place. I want to be certain of what ground I'm on. And that's Mm. what a a good kind of brat reactive dominant um, should and can do is really make them feel safe by going, yes, I am here. I do know that you're doing that on purpose, <laughs> and yeah. there will be consequences and and it's okay that you're doing that i'm not alarmed or distressed by it. it doesn't threaten my security or my certainty of being your dominant or the dominant one in this dynamic i'm amused by it i'm entertained by it, and i won't stand for it that's the That's the tone
1: Wow, thank you for giving such a a, a really nice well rounded sort of overview of of a scene and a great idea because i think so many people don't really know where to begin and also don't understand all of the emotion that's like at play and all of the sort of care that goes into it and awareness that you bring to um to a scene like that because there's so much like mm. that was a journey just listening to it and i think that yeah when when this is done in the most like aware and conscious way with everyone's like health and emotional well being at like the forefront. And like that's what the intention is. It can be wildly healing, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's why so many people maybe they don't realize that that's why they seek out these dynamics. Um, but what I hear from so many of my friends and, you know, new friends, especially in practice of this, that that is really the ultimate um, takeaway and that's really why why they're in it not just because it's amazing and it leads to like incredible sexual experiences but that it's deeply healing.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of catharsis involved. I think it it's not something to take the place of therapy but it can be massively therapeutic and the release and acceptance of yourself on both sides like the the acceptance I've had for me as a male, as a sadist, as a, as a, as a daddy that can be both those things is huge. And I have so much more uh, security and comfort with my own male identity now than I've ever had. Um, And I think that that's, that would not have happened uh, without this. So I think there's a lot of people out there that really need self-acceptance and they need to get rid of or to combat shame and this is a great way of doing that because you have to you have to embrace yourself and you have to embrace Mm -hmm. others and you have to be incredibly vulnerable to be this part of your identity with another person right there and they're already being that part of their identity and you do it together and that's so validating and so healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's really what is at the core of 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 a dynamic. So, yeah, that's um, it's definitely a huge form of release.
1: That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, I guess you know this is we could talk forever. Um, and and we'll likely do this again. I hope. I to wrap it up though, I'm curious um, because we don't know each other that well, so. I guess I know that the difference between someone who does this in their personal life as a dynamic and then also there are people who like dom professionally like you know you can hire a dom or you can you know be a dom or a submissive who has multiple partners and this is just your like expression of play or maybe it's something you are doing for work and to educate others do you just do it in your personal life and then you have sort of the platform or do you have like multiple submissives at once. how does your I guess personal and professional life work in this way
0: um yeah some some people it can be purely a part of themselves that lives in the bedroom like just in that part of a relationship and and it doesn't really cross over and that's fine as well there's not there's not rules or ways it has to be done it's where it's however it feels right for each person um, and other people do it more as a lifestyle, you know, twenty-four-seven identity, where it's just that's the mode that they are in because that is their mode. And that that's more where I am on the end. I'm, I'm I am me. I am this on some level all the time. Um, even if it's low level, it's still there under the surface. And and I do um, have multiple partners. And and that's another part of the thing. A relationship styles can be different. So you can be you can be a monogamous, submissive, or dominant, or you can be a polyamorous one. That's they're all valid. That's a relationship style. It's not part of kink. But if you think that kink necessarily means you have to have open partnerships, that's not true. Uh, if someone told you that, then they're full of shit. Um, it's whatever you want to do, really. So. Um yeah for me I do and that's just what works for me and what feels right and and yeah I am that kind of um, that kind of part of my identity all the time and mm-hmm. what I'm doing with this part of work and personally and it has some connection to everything that I do.
1: Yeah that's beautiful that's how, that's how I feel about polyamory it's like once I realized it was a lot more than just what I was practicing in my romantic relationships it really clicked and then felt like I had so much more love in so many different areas of my life because I realized oh I'm just like polyamorous to my core you Mm. know (laughs) with all the things not just partners and not just you know even platonic friendships but like all the things. Oh yeah, I can appreciate that, and love that that's your identity because we definitely need more of funnydoms, education, and people in the space who who are bringing you know like these things out of the shadows that I think people look at as sort of like taboo or bad or wrong or dark um, into the light where people can express themselves and feel into these different sides that maybe they've suppressed for years so i really appreciate the work that you do and i'm so happy to have met you <laughs> and um yeah like i said i could talk forever but i feel like this is a this is a great place to put a cap on it for now and maybe we can do this again sometime soon
0: i'd, I'd love to yeah this was a really good conversation and um yeah i'd be happy to come back and and talk more specifics if if your audience comes back to you now with like, "Oh my God, I have a question about ABC," then then I'll be happy to come back and get more into things. But it's part of why it's so much fun is even after uh, years and many conversations like this, it's it hasn't stopped being any less like any more like fascinating. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting and endlessly uh, exciting to talk about. So. I agree. We could just talk for the rest of the day, but we have yeah. to have some self control. <laughs> let's
1: let's do it. I'm actually going to lock you down for the next one before we hang up. <laughs> but in the meantime, um, where can people find you? Where's the best places? I know you mentioned the Funny Dom returns on Instagram. Yep. Um, and then what's your Patreon?
0: Um, it's just the uh, Patreon address and then slash the Funny Dom. Um, the link is also on the main page of uh, of my Instagram um and yeah they're the best places to find me and and to reach out if you if you join up the patreon i talk to my um supporters there regularly i do audio q a's there and make guides and and uh and even do like one-on-one kind of like coaching and advice um kind of services and on the on the instagram I, i just do like funny Uh, Memes every day. I just did one with uh, Oscar Isaac wearing a kilt. um, That's proving popular. (laughs) No shock there. Saw that. Um, And yeah, just have more fun there, and and you know, have a laugh, a bit of a bit of a spicy laugh is kind of my favourite thing. So just uh, Mm -hmm. follow the page if you want to have a bit of a laugh and and have the odd bit of like, oh, that's an interesting idea, or you know, things happen in the comments for people sharing. So yeah.
1: Well, I love it. I'm so excited to have uh, a bunch of new messages from my listeners telling me how they went to your to your uh, Patreon and now they're making Daddy a coffee every month because I saw <laughs> that was an option. I was like, Oh my God, this is brilliant. Okay, sign me up.
0: <laughs> I do. Love
1: that. Oh, this has been so great. Okay, well, until next time. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much.
1: All right, lovers, that has been another incredible episode of Open Late. I have linked everything from the Funny Dom in the show notes for your easy access. Please let me know what you thought of this episode. And don't hesitate to leave us a review on Apple, iTunes or Spotify. See you next week.